With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast, presented by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis worldwide right to your front door. And now, here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm Ed McGrogan here with Steve Tigner and a new guest, a guest of honor, Richard Pagliaro. He, uh, you can hear that echo in the room, the applause mm-hmm. there. We got uh, he, Richard will be... Tennis.com's new gear editor, actually. Um, Richard, if you want to uh, say hello. It's funny you say that while you're holding a racket. I don't know if that's a (laughs) symbolic thing. Yeah, I'm really, really excited to be here. And uh, it's a great weekend, really exciting. Great weekend for tennis, the Murray Nadal, and then the final. final, You know, it was, I mean, the the last set, he looked a little bit, you know, a little maybe a half step slow, but I thought Federer was just on fire the whole tournament to go undefeated, and that's the fourth time I think in the five times he's won it that he's gone through the whole yeah straight thing undefeated straight sets all the way and or sorry not not to the end but just five and zero record and then and then Nadal just through the week it, it just it was the collision that I was that I was I think we were waiting for at the U.S. Open it kind of just happened here it it was the same semifinal match but Federer got through Djokovic this time without any real trouble. The the most drama, as you said, was the Murray Nadal semi, which I think a lot of people were putting up in some of their maybe that'll find your way into your matches of the year. Yeah, YouTube that's gotta be what I I mean to me that was the best match that I can remember this year. I have to look back at it more closely, but even though even though it wasn't a Grand Slam match, it was one of those ones that reminded you of sort of some of Rafa's other classics that he that he seems to find a way to win, like the match against Djokovic in Madrid a couple of years ago. I thought it was a for the most part, it was a positive for Murray. He was he was able to compete with Nadal pretty much 99% of the time. There were just a couple moments when you could tell that he didn't he didn't seem to have quite as much mental stamina, I guess, as Nadal. He threw in a really bad drop shot at an important point, and then he went up 3-0 in the tiebreaker. But you still felt like this is the kind of match that Rafa wins. Like when he when he gets a lead in the in the last set, even though he gave up that lead, it's like he so rarely you know gives up a match like that, but so, you know that was that was the highlight of the tournament. Made the whole pretty much made the whole week worthwhile. I that, thought that's almost why when you say that about Rafa, why I was surprised at the, at the end result of the final when Rafa took the second set. I I, um, I I predicted even though even though Nadal had the big had the longer matches beforehand, I did think that he was, I guess somehow going to beat Federer. That's kind of how it is with some of Rafa's mm-hmm. matches. You really you really don't know how exactly. 
he can pull them off, but he just tends to do it so often that it's almost silly to bet against him in a way. And I, I and the the recent record against Roger was strong as well. Um, I think this is only six of seven he'd won. Yeah, yeah it was only this is only for Roger's second win in his last eight over Nadal. Um, there was and, one moment I thought that when Rafa was going to at the beginning of the third set, he'd won the second set. He'd sort of turned it around. He had Federer back on the run. It looked Federer sort of it looked like the typical dynamic. Nadal had managed to sort of turn it around from the first set, and then. Rafa missed a couple opportunities in that game to break in the first first game of the third. And I feel like Federer got his feet back. The momentum is sort of shifted back to an even – Nadal's momentum was over. And then Federer could get back in the match. And Federer had just played better tennis through, through, the, through the week. And I think that's what he, he – if they were on even terms as far as like the momentum and the, and the mental aspect, Federer was going to win just because of his form over the week was so outstanding and has been since the U.S. Open. Yeah, for – for Federer, especially when you saw the first set of how that went, it was against Nadal. It, it's kind of the the blueprint that I think people have been talking about for Federer for so long. And I think you can. I think a lot of people have probably rightfully pointed that to Anacone and what he's done. But Roger was extremely aggressive on the returns, pretty much from the start. Um, you know, the, when you do that, that's going to lead to errors. But it led to the solitary break that got on the set, and it was. A little bit of the reverse, the second set, the things didn't go his way, but Rafa picked up his play a little bit. But I was, I, I was really surprised that in the end, Federer got away, went, took this match sort of as comfortably as he did in the end. There was really no, there was really no end sort of point where Federer had to hold his serve, and maybe that helped him out because of some of the uh, the previous match points he squandered this year. But it was a probably one of his more comfortable sets against rough i'd say even if the match itself was still very good from end to end it's so. funny because him serving first in that last set i thought that was big but if you remember the 2008 wimbledon i think he was serving first that fifth set too mm-hmm. but i like the commitment to the to the tactics that like you said first set you saw him run around the backhand on the second serves and really go after the forehand he continued to do that and then the first break i think he hit that beautiful he hit through the backhand i thought a lot more on the return and really tried to drive it instead of just resorting to oh, definitely not chip a- it back and let's let's get it going from the baseline whereas he's like i'm going to take the initiative off the return if i can and and he did that really yeah, well. Yeah, not much slice overall this match. That was the biggest difference in the match. I don't think he's ever hit his cross-court topspin backhand as well as he did against against Rafa as he did in this match. He was able to, instead of getting pushed back with that shot, he he got Nadal on the run. He didn't he couldn't do it all three sets, but he did it. You know he did it enough, and that's obviously I, I you know that's that's a big that could be a big difference, but it's not something. I, I do see Rafa as finding a way around that as well. It's not like this is going to be the key that will allow Federer to win, to start winning all of their matches. Right, but, and also he's got pristine conditions indoor with it where the, maybe the, the bounce isn't getting quite so high up on the backhand side, and it's just it was so much cleaner. But to me, it's like the thing you see with Federer reinforces he's an underrated server, and when the first serve flows like it did that first set, he was 15 for 15, first serve points, one and he was not really ch- – I mean, there was one game, he's loved 30, I think the three-all game. But once he got through that, the first set, he just cruised on – and you just see the rest of the game just kind of – Yeah, that was like flow. a th- – He almost feels like, hey, I'm popping the serve, I'm making the first serve, I'm not being threat. It just sort of opens his whole sort of Repertory, creativity yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, it was only about a 35-minute set at the most. It was right. a, a quick match altogether. A match, yeah. Yeah. 
And it, it I, sort of had that end of the year feel like, <laughs> like it wasn't going to be quite as intense either way. Yeah. Any of you guys, I couldn't have been the only one surprised that well, maybe the Nadal didn't challenge that last shot of the match. He looked like he was ready to get Just, out of it. Yeah, yeah. Game. Like, he yeah. looked like it was, you know, I'm going to lose, a, you know, a little bit of like, forget it. May as well not hold things up. And I mean, the last two games, did he win a point? I don't know. I don't even know. If you could argue that was the most dramatic point of the third set was that, you know, was the shot good? And he, the first match point, he almost made that beautiful stretch volley, hit the top of the net and came back and then. Yeah, he even Fetter sort of suspended disbelief. You know, is it good or not? It was pretty cool to see. See that I'm telling you, at some point at a slam, somebody's somebody's reaction to winning Wimbledon is going to be delayed by a Hawkeye challenge call, and that that was, a, I guess, a prelude to that. But anyways, so that was the uh, the end of the year on that, and Federer puts his record now to eight and fourteen against Nadal going into next year. Shop Tennis Express for the best selection of top brands with expert service at fair prices. The Tennis Express team is available to help you find the right tennis gear. Shop Tennis Express and find out why their customers call them a candy store for tennis players. Call 1-800-833-6615 or log on to www.tennisexpress.com today. So that wraps up the ATP season there. Uh, 11 months in the books, a couple weeks to go. And what, for whatever you think of it, it'll start again pretty shortly. Um, I think we could all use a break, the players included. But but um, I guess we'll just, with, with this match in mind here, I think it's, I think it's pretty clear that, that the Federer and Nadal, that they're at the top right now. They're probably the two favorites you would almost certainly say for Australian. Uh, Murray, who... We mentioned him earlier with his match against Nadal. Um, he could have, I suppose, he could have won this event and took on a whole new series of pressures going into the new year. That's kind of been his little forte the past few years to to head into the next season with sky high expectations. Uh, he had a a good tournament, but as you as you did mention, Steve, he had another kind of really desultory match against Federer before. I guess what do you what do you, what do you think about the main guys going into 2011, particularly the Australian? Well, you have to like. Federer right now, he um, he's playing about as well as he's played in the past three years, I'd say, and he seems to have found maybe a new wrinkle against Nadal, and and he seemed, you know, Paul Anacone is talking about how he's he's feels like he's with a 22 year old. Of course, Anacone's not going to say the guy's you know washed up or looks exhausted, but but there is that sense of with Federer of a little bit of feels like a little bit of renewal, and you know he already won Australia last year. As far as um, Murray goes, there were just two. He showed a lot in this tournament. He showed a lot of good things. He he was more aggressive and it worked for long periods. But he had a bad match against Federer, which is sort of a bad sign in that. And it was similar to the U.S. Open. He just came out and played a bad match against Varinka for no real reason. And then against Nadal, he played three great sets, but just at sort of important moments, he didn't have as much, like I said, as much I thought mental endurance to to stick with Rafa. So he just seems just a little below their level, and and it's hard to. It's sort of hard to imagine him, you know, overcoming them in a, in, a, in Australia. And sustaining it for seven matches. Too. Yeah. That's always, I guess, been the trouble with them is that he he does have the match where it, it's been Murray's case the past few slams where he's run into the guy where he just hasn't brought the offense that's sort of necessary to break through. And I think the oddest one was Wawrinka in the U.S. The, the past few, he lost to Chilich before. Chilich. Guys, that, guys that kind of 
in a way sort of blew him off the court, but Varinka's was a very puzzling loss there, especially after Murray had such a nice summer. Um, there's there's Djokovic as well. Djokovic will obviously see this week in Davis Cup. He has, still has that that to play. Um, but overall, I mean, if, if you want to, I, I would still say that Nadal would be, I guess, an early favorite of mine, I guess, over Federer at the Australian only because I do like that Nadal would come back with a little more rest. I think the court does help him there a little bit. One, the one uh, thing you could say about Nadal, he did lose this match, but this, this sort of fits his pattern at, at these big tournaments. He he struggles, then he does better, you know, reaches the semis or finals, then he wins it. So it's sort of, I could, you know, you could almost see this as a, as a positive for, for Nadal, even though he did, even though he did lose the final. It's sort of in his style of, of getting ready and, and, and sort of, beginning to believe he can win a certain tournament. And you see that tournament to tournament, but also within the tournament, because the first match against Roddy, he could have lost that match. I mean, he mm-hmm. looked really just unsure, unsettled. He wasn't decisive. He didn't have the clarity, but you saw as every match went on, you know, until the final where he was a little flat, just outplayed. But I mean, he plays into the tournament maybe better than anybody. You know, he plays his way. If you don't get him early, it's really hard to get him. Whereas, like you said, with Murray, you know, you've seen Chilich beat him, you've seen Sanga, you've seen Warinka. He doesn't quite have that sort of match-to-match intensity right now at the majors, but, but you know, perhaps he can get that. I think the, also, the other thing is also Murray, he doesn't seem to be able to impose his weapon at crunch time. Like Nadal, those forehands he hit at the end of that Murray match. I mean, that's his shot. He stepped up, he ripped it, he made the right shot. Same thing with Federer. He kept the aggressive sort of mindset right through the finish line against... Nadal, whereas Murray, he's so good at figuring out what makes you uncomfortable, but sometimes you got to know what your strength is and be able to play that strength, that crunch time. Always be, always be the problem and the difference for Murray is he can't just win a point on his own exactly. the way yeah. Nadal exactly. and Federer can with that forehand. He just doesn't have that type of forehand. What do you, what do you guys? Yeah, and that, like, you really saw that at the end of that of that last set tiebreak where he just was flicking it a little bit. You know, he just can't quite. What What do you guys think about? There's a lot of this year was yet another year where Federer and Nadal took all the slams. This has been, um, I think, this is the third or fourth time at least in the past few years this has happened. There, there was a lot of guys I think who came close to breakthroughs. We had, um, you know, Djokovic sort of a, a breakthrough for a second time. He he obviously won in 2008 the Australian and he sort of leveled off and really reminded us of what he did there. He had guys like Soderling and Burdich, and those are two guys that are in this tournament. I guess just looking forward, if, have those guys kind of reached their ceilings? Do you think, or you do you see that there's any more growth for them? I, mean, I both didn't get a good feeling from Soderling. Well, Burdich had a bad second half of the year, and he's admitted to feeling the pressure. So you don't feel good about him, about him sort of. And in fact, he didn't win a title. He didn't win the a tournament. Whole, yeah, it's like, dude, you got to win a title before you're talking about contending for majors, you know. And Soderling, I thought he was he he did have a great tournament in Paris, but then when he went up against the very best players. Um, here he looked bad against Murray, and he he didn't really challenge Federer. So he, he feels also like he's he may have he may have sort of reached a ceiling as well. I just don't see anybody. We just ended with the usual with Federer and Nadal still sort of you know nobody is really you don't feel like those guys you still feel like those guys are the guys. Yeah, uh, and I think Djokovic. I like his athleticism and the that he's try he tries to do different things. I just think this Davis Cup this is such a momentous. I mean, the guy's like a national hero in Serbia. It's a huge amount of pressure for him. And I think going into January, 
this could really drain him. I mean, he's already a guy that you've seen with the breathing issues, with all sorts of physical the contact ailments. lens issues. Yeah, the contact lens, the iPad. Like, who knows how he's going to come out of this? I mean, it could propel him if they win and he's the guy that delivers the cup to Serbia. But what if they lose or what if he taps out in one of the mat? I mean, you really don't know how it's going to play out. He's, he's, a very, he's such a wild card. He's, a, he's definitely a very one of the I'd say one of the most emotional players, I guess, of that top tier. Federer very even keeled. Nadal certainly, I'm not going to say he's an emotional player, but I think that Djokovic takes the highs and lows to the extreme. Almost. Yeah, he plays on the edge. He plays with an edge of like frustration that can that can work against him. And he shows it to you, and that can be a vulnerability when the opponent sees it. But you know, having said all that, the guy competes on every surface. He plays just about every turn. I mean, he does play. You know, he's there. He's a presence. So he, I don't think you can ever. And he did try to make him. a try to make a match out of that semi against Federer. He could have gone away yeah. after the first set. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he yeah. was he was just like I'm not. You know, I'm going to do better than that, and he he still lost the set, but he but he did he did make it a match. He could have easily just just called it a day and got him started. And if you remember the beginning of the year, and everyone's hung up on the hitch and his serve, his serve was a lot smoother and a lot more reliable. I thought at the at the end of the year. Yeah, you could almost call him the most improved player in a way, and, and tough to do for a guy who's. Number three, three or four in the world. Three. Right. But yeah. like having said all that, if you saw Joker, if you projected Djokovic and Adal Australian Open final, I don't know too many people are going to pick Djokovic or even Djokovic Federer, even though he's beaten Federer in Mage. I don't know too many people are going to pick him. He's got to step up yeah. and do it. Well, we will see. Uh, that's it for the ATP. Uh, like I said, 11 months in the books. We we appreciate you listening for that whole time, and uh, we'll be we'll, back before the end of the year. Yeah, we'll be well. We'll be back on Thursday to um, take a quick look at the Davis Cup final uh, this coming weekend. Tom Parada will be there providing coverage for the site, and uh, we'll have previews and reviews also on tennis.com. So check those out. And thanks for listening. This is Ed McGrogan for Steve Tigner and Richard Pagliaro. You've been listening to the Tennis.com podcast, presented by Tennis Express, the tennis industry's retailer of the year. For more news and information, head over to Tennis.com. Thanks for listening.